Hello, I'm Conrad Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo Podcast, a podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, we're talking with the founder of the Pandata NFT project. Pandata is a unique NFT project that is currently in the testnet beta, where it is still being developed with interesting functionalities. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, Pandata. It's nice to have you on the show, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and answer a few questions about the work you've been doing with Pandata. Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for having me on. Uh, you know, huge fan of, of your show as well as uh, Fluptopia. So it's great to be here. Um, so there are a couple of questions that I always ask. To begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what drew you into crypto in general? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, you know, my, my background is uh, in computer science. Um, so software engineering, that, that type of thing. In terms of what, what drew me into crypto, um, I had actually learned about uh, Bitcoin um, back before probably most people um, in the in the community, you know, since before, I'd say even, you know, 2013, 2012. And um, interestingly enough, I, I thought it was uh, neat from a tech perspective, but I never thought that it would gain the, uh, the type of widespread adoption that it has. So even though I was aware of kind of all the tech um, behind, you know, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, I never actually uh, significantly invested until um, the beginning of, of 2021, funny enough. Man, that's a miss, like missed opportunity there. I mean, I, I also was in there when it was like, in 2012, I was looking into Bitcoin and it was more so for just kind of the curiosity because everyone was talking about, oh, it's used for the dark web and like all this stuff. And of course, I was like, that's interesting. Why is that? And but I'd never bought any, which, of course, I kind of wish I had, of course. But I yeah, I, I understand waiting this long. It's become a little more mainstream now. Exactly, exactly. And I, I do think that um, NFTs are actually um, kind of what, what drew me into it, right? Because growing up, I had always been kind of an avid gamer. I played a lot of the game uh, World of Warcraft, and I played mainly for the economy perspective, right? I was never like a hardcore raider or, or any of that, but I really enjoyed kind of the auction house and, and the collectibles um, in game. You know, you could collect different mounts or like horses that you, that you ride around on and thought that was a lot of fun. And I feel like, um, it, you know, adding NFTs kind of gives the, the player more ownership uh, out of those collectibles that they earn in game. And it seemed like a, a really interesting concept just, just from a gamification perspective. Oh yeah. And it, it's quite an interesting thing because with, with gaming, it's kind of natural to go, Oh, okay. NFTs. I, uh, I own a digital good. And while we're on the topic of NFTs, could you give us a quick rundown of what Pandata is or the type of NFT project that it is? Sure. Yeah. So in terms of um, Pandata, uh, it's basically a, um, a platform that lets you uh, adopt and, and raise your own uh, virtual Panda on, on Cardano. Um, I guess the, the, the way to, to kind of summarize it uh, with, with two comparisons would be be um, half crypto kitties and half neko at sume if uh if you know any of those those games um, but the idea is that you uh, can adopt your own panda and uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll implement some more uh, functionality but you know for now you can uh, see it snoozing or, or playing in uh, in the panda pen if you connect your wallet i took the time to actually because you can do it with your if you have a nami wallet you can just 
switch it over, go to the general settings, switch it over to the testnet, and then it costs, as long as you have testnet ADA, it costs nothing to do it. I was able to get it to connect and it worked perfectly. So it's a really interesting project for sure. Yeah, thanks. No, I'm I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I hope that, you know, if this if this project doesn't do anything, hopefully it will at least inspire more people to uh, do some thorough testing on the testnet before launch. Oh, exactly. And could you tell us a little bit about what makes Panda Ada different than other CNFT projects that are out there? Sure. Yeah. So I'd say a, a few different things, right? And on its surface, uh, it doesn't look too complex, right? You'll probably just see in your wallet a, a panda smiling at you. Um, but I, I do think that it has a couple kind of uh, unique um, things about it. The first is the fact that we built the utility uh, before we launched, right? Um, this testnet site has been up for over a month now, uh, and we're launching in a couple of weeks here at the beginning of February. Um, and, you know, me personally, right, I, I don't take... Uh, too much stock in in future promises until I've actually seen it, uh, you know, being delivered. Uh, when I when I you know choose projects to buy on my own, um, and so I hope that this will kind of help raise the bar for the the broader community in terms of utility versus kind of promises for the future. Um, I'd say the second uh, piece is that our mint model is is more unique. Um, so each day, the, the adoption center uh, gets up to 15 new pandas. And instead of sort of a, a mass, you know, 10,000 uh, drop, right, all at once where you, you send ADA and you get a random panda back. In this case, you actually pick your panda. Uh, and and I, I wanted this to be more like a real life pet store. Uh, because you wouldn't go to to a pet store, right, and say, "Here's fifty dollars, you know, give yeah. me a random a random dog." You might be really surprised with with uh, what you get. And so, I wanted, um, you know, the the panda adoption to to kind of follow a similar process. And I'd say that last of all, um, you know, instead of doing this upfront drop, we are uh, releasing just a few up to fifteen pandas per day. And uh, the problem that this solves, right, is the lack of incentive alignment that I've seen in the broader CNFT community. I think that part of the reason why rug pulls happen is because, uh, you know, even if the team had good intentions uh, in the beginning, whenever you have an influx of, you know, what, what would approach even a million USD uh, a few months ago uh, for, for a large project drop, I think it becomes really hard to stay motivated whenever the team has no skin in the game. And so what this does is it makes sure that, you know, we don't get rewarded until we actually deliver on, on the things that we promise in, in the roadmap. And I'd say also uh, this should help everyone build uh, kind of confidence in, in the project uh, just because, you know, it's an anonymous team and all that. But hopefully the, uh, the model has been thought through uh, sufficiently well. Oh, yeah. And the bringing up the anonymous point. It, it is something that especially I've made a video talking about red flags and NFTs and being anonymous, while I do understand why some people do it, it, it can be something that puts some people off. Um, could you explain why you wanted to go anonymous? And of course, afterwards, I'll probably touch on the, the movement away from grab bag like NFTs, but. Sure. Yeah. So I'd say just to, to kind of give a simple answer, right, is I think privacy is really important um, online. And uh, one thing that I don't like about social media is, is the fact that it, it really kind of gets ingrained, right, with your, with your everyday life. 
Um, I kind of like the fact, you know, coming from a, a gaming background, um, you know, you'd sign on and you have like a username or a, or a character name. And I really think that that is a good model uh, to kind of separate the, uh, the the real world, right, from from NFTs or crypto or, or metaverse, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, trying to uh, kind of practice what I preach there and and um, just be known as Pandata. Oh, of course. Um, to jump back to a previous point, what made you move away from kind of the the grab bag model? Because I know with almost every, with so many NFT projects, and it's kind of the bane of my existence with regards to NFTs, they all have, or most have, a, oh, we've made 10,000, we made 1,000, there's 200, however many randomized NFTs, and it's just grab bag, like almost like buying a pack of cards and hoping you get what you'd like. I guess one, I wanted to be uh, different. And, and two, this kind of came from my own experiences with other projects. Um, I think Lunars is a good example. You know, I really love the art there and I participated in both the original Lunars as well as the Dark Lunars drops. And for my original Lunars, I, I minted two and I got one, I think it was like in the 20s in terms of rarity. Uh, so it was, you know, a massive win. Like it was really, really cool. Um, my, my other one was, was up there too on the rarity charts. And then meanwhile, when I went to their next Dark Lunars drop, I think mine were all like in the bottom thousand. Uh, it was pretty funny, right? The amount of, of variance you can get. And really what I realized is, you know, I'd be more inclined to mint something personally where I can actually pick what I want and, and I'd be willing to pay up for that too, right? It's, it's tough to justify, you know, spending X if, if, you know, there's only a couple things that you really want in the whole set, but maybe I would spend, you know, a little bit less than X if, if it meant that I could, could get something I wasn't too crazy about, but, but still liked and, and vice versa. Oh, exactly. And I know like when it comes to most things, for example, if you're going to buy a car, just as you were saying with regards to like going to a pet shop, I'm not like, I've got a thousand dollars. I'm hoping for a Ferrari. Like you're like, okay, <laughs> you're probably not going to get what you'd like. And you'll either typically have to be like, yeah, this is awesome. And like deceive yourself into like, this is great. Or maybe you do get something you like, but I, I like the fact that you guys are going with that model. And it kind of is similar to what we're doing with ours, where we aren't doing a grab bag model, just like you. So Again, I maybe it's biased, but I think it's a much better model than the grab bag model, and it gives more agency to to the user who's going to be using the end product. That's exactly right. I think you brought up a really good point there with like agency to the user. The user is going to be way more invested and less likely to to you know flip it the next day um, or you know just leave. Uh, if they actually put the time in and, and really think about like which panda they want to adopt or in your case, right, which floof they they want to custom build. Oh, yeah. Do you worry that you might um, disincentivize some NFT buyers from buying Pandata? If, for example, maybe they are, I've kind of categorized NFT buyers into three main categories. There's utility, there's for the art, and then there's those who are the investors do you worry that you might um, disincentivize the investors from buying into the project or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely a consideration, right? Because, you know, this, this system was basically designed to, uh, to deter flipping. But uh, the way I see it, right, I'm, I'm more concerned with kind of growing a community, even if it's slowly. And I'd say that so far, it's, it's definitely been on, on the slower end. But, you know, it, it makes me feel better to know that it's small, but with people who, who are going to stick around and be interested in the project. 
um, and you know tell their friends about the project as opposed to people who are hoping for that lottery ticket right one out of you know ten thousand and then if they don't get it just uh, just flip it on uh, CNFT IO the next day. Oh, exactly. And I I can say personally from experience, it's better to have the not the fans per se, but to have like the good community members, like the people who make the community, the community, because for example, even in, from what we've seen, there'll be some that jump in when, how can I get on the white list? And it's like, okay, like they might be really interested, which is great, but it also might be like, I want to ensure that I can be first in on the project so I can sell it later. So it, it could depend. And then those are the individuals who typically like if you're doing an event or you're trying to get conversation going or you're you've got questions on we want to implement this feature, what are your guys' thoughts? They're it they're never going to respond because that's not what their aims are. Whereas you got those like core community members that really, really make the the community shine. And it can make it a a great selling point almost, just not for the sole purpose of marketing, but it brings people in. It makes people, as you said, it'll make them want to tell their friends about it, bring their friends in. And because they were great community members, their friends are probably going to be great community members too. So then it really can make it an enjoyable scenario. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I'd say to, to kind of uh, build on your point there, we we did do something like that in our recent roadmap. I'm not sure if you uh, took a look at it yet, but you'll see that uh, hidden kind of within within the uh, the midst, there's a little a little challenge. And uh, I'm not really marketing that too much at all. Just if uh, if anyone actually takes the time to you know go through and read the whole roadmap, then they'll see it. Um, so far, no one's, no one's actually submitted for what it's worth, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many people are those, uh, kind of true fans who actually take the time to, to read every page. Oh, of course. And I'll have that linked down below as well as links to Pandata's website and Twitter. I, I would recommend checking out if not just for the functionality, if you've got a NAMI wallet, just change it over to testnet which is temporary you'll always be able to switch it right back over you're not going to lose what's in your wallet so don't worry about that just just check it out it's really interesting but on the topic of your website i saw that you plan to have customization for the panda pen so when you get a panda or pandata pen a pandata panda then you'll be able to have a pen and then you plan to have it to where you could customize it um, what would this look like for the end user? Sure, yeah. So I, I think what I uh, kind of imagine there, right, if you've played the game Neko Atsume at all, um, it's like a, a game on your phone where it literally translates uh, from the Japanese to cat collector. Um, what you can do is you get a yard and a house um, and you can buy different toys, uh, like a, a bean bag or, a, or a, like a paper bag. The cats can, can play in uh, little squeaky toys and, and what have you. And you can decide uh, a few locations to, to position those toys to try and attract different cats. And I, I'd say something similar uh, is what I envision with that. You know, maybe you can uh, and, and I haven't really, uh, you know, finalized this, this system or anything, um, but, but something to the effect of, you know, if you have a certain uh, number of pandas or you sign in, um, you know, a, a certain number of times in a week, you know, maybe a combination of that still have to, to kind of iron that out, but um, you, you'd get some sort of, of currency um, and then you can use that currency to buy different upgrades, whether that's, you know, like a slide uh, or a, a teeter-totter for the pandas to play on. You could uh, put that on one of the squares, right, in, in the pen, uh, or actually upgrading the, uh, the panda pen to be bigger. 
And um, in terms of kind of the mechanics of that, I think it would be pretty similar to the the customization, like with the with the fixtures and the objects. Um, but hoping to um, you know work on that uh, after we launch here. I will say though, uh, this is probably going to take some time to come to fruition, uh, just for two reasons. Right, the first is that. Uh, you know, I did all the art myself, and I think for for uh, these these sorts of things with a seesaw or teeter totter, uh, going to hopefully get an actual artist uh, to to animate that and animate the pandas interacting with it. So there's a bit of a bottleneck there, but also in the sense that after launch, I want to uh, take some time to go through the this third series of Plutus Pioneer uh, lectures that begin, um, and even though that. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, it's kind of the, the uh, smart contract uh, programming class put on by IOHK. Um, and even though that doesn't really have any direct applicability to Pandata uh, right now, I think that as kind of a project creator, it's important to uh, learn that uh, even if the investment doesn't pay off right away, because I think that down the road, um, it, it definitely will. Oh, yeah. It seems like it'd be an extraordinarily useful skill set to have, especially if you're going to be building on Cardano because smart contracts on Cardano are not built with solidity. They're built on Plutus, which is a like offshoot of Haskell. It's been built by Cardano. So it's, it's a useful skill to have for sure. Definitely. Definitely. And I think right now uh, the universe of Haskell developers and, and Plutus developers is extremely small. And as we know, right, just from being in crypto, um, whenever there's a small universe, I think is is whenever there's kind of the the maximal benefit that that can be gained, just because it's uh, kind of a limited skill set, and we really are on the forefront of uh, of that development. So definitely want to be part of that. In fact, I'd feel like I'd be doing a, a disservice to the community uh, by by not doing that, even if it means that you know the uh, the pen customization on the slide gets delayed. It's got such a high like need right now in the community. There's a high demand for it. So it it makes sense to learn this skill set, of course. And when we're talking about, for example, this pen, I know that the pen will take a little bit of time, as you said. But have you guys ever thought about, for example, teaming up with Nanoframes, which I know is a another group within the community that is making it so that people can get um, like picture frames or touchpads where, for example, you would be able to connect your NAMI wallet to it so that you might be able to interact like directly with your pandas or pandatas? I'll have to check that out. I actually uh, didn't know too much about nanoframes, but we'll definitely uh, give that a look after after the show. Oh, of course. It's, it's an interesting project for sure. But a last thing kind of to follow up on that is, is pandata going to be just a web design? Like you'll be able to have your pandatas on the website or do you plan on developing like a mobile application for it? Yeah, so I, I think a mobile app, right, would definitely be a better user experience. I'm not sure, though. Uh, last I heard, uh, Apple was was sort of uh, a bit skeptical about uh, certain crypto applications, right, being in their, their app store. So I'd have to check on that. Uh, I mean, that's not something uh, that we even put um, in the roadmap, but I'd say it would be a nice bonus, um, you know, if people want to, uh, sign on to an app instead of the website. You'd probably be able to to interact with your pandas a little bit a little bit better on mobile because if you do visit the site on mobile now, you'll know that it's not quite as good of an experience. Uh, you know, even though it still works um, as the desktop version. Oh yeah, no, it that seems to be a commonality with a lot of projects when they're web based. It doesn't translate as well over to the mobile. But talking about translating, 
Um, on your website, I did see a small section talking about creating a Rift to other Panda bases like Panda AVAX and Panda Algo. Could you tell us what you mean by that? Sure, yeah. So I think that uh, one of the the, the biggest, uh, at least most ambitious um, goals in the roadmap is to uh, have cross-chain interoperability. And um, I, I'd say the way we're pioneering on this is that whenever you say interoperability, right, most people think of uh, just going to ETH, right, with the, the converter. Yeah. Um, but for, for me, at least, um, and, you know, having, having owned some uh, Avalanche uh, on my own and, and exploring a little bit uh, in that ecosystem, uh, I think that's a, a really strong chain, as well as um, Algorand. And uh, both of those, I feel like, are actually more sort of um, in line with the, the values of the Cardano community in the sense that, uh, you know, both are, are highly research-based. Um, I believe Algorand was developed by an MIT uh, professor, and Avalanche, I know, was, uh, was developed by a Cornell professor. Um, and also, uh, those both, you know, are, are pretty accessible to everyone just because the fees are extremely low, um, sort of like Cardano. And I feel like that could be kind of a good, um, a good way to uh, bridge these smaller uh, but growing communities together. Oh, exactly. I, I have no doubt about that. And I'm glad you are thinking about finding a way to connect because I know there's a lot of DeFi currently that's looking towards that. But I haven't heard outside of what connections already exist a lot of NFT projects talking about integrating between different blockchains. So it's interesting to hear that you guys are planning on building like that. Yeah, and honestly, uh, from my experience building Pandata, right, um, the actual NFT minting uh, process is probably the least uh, time-consuming of, of the entire uh, project. Uh, just because, you know, we're using NFT Maker Pro um, for the backend. So it's really just a couple API calls to, to actually mint the NFT. Um, whereas, you know, as long as similar services exist for Avalanche and, and Algorand, I don't really think it would be that difficult. And you could even make it so whenever you go to adopt your Panda, you can pick which chain you, you adopted on. That would be actually extraordinarily interesting. And it, I'm sure it would open up Pandata's development to a lot of other finances so that you guys could build more and more. Because I know, just as you said earlier, um, and I know from building on Fluvtopia, Getting getting these skill sets are expensive. You you want somebody who's a 3D modeler and animator, like you're going to pay a lot, or which I know you're not doing 3D modeling. But when you start trying to introduce these new skill sets that one like you don't have or I don't have, it gets expensive. Yeah, definitely. You know, to this point, it's been pretty much me doing everything from the graphics to the to the actual website and the back end. Um, to the animations. And, you know, of course, my, my 2D animating skill was uh, pretty close to zero before this project started. But I do think it, it uh, was good to sort of force myself to, to acquire that skill set, at least to a competent level, right? I mean, I acknowledge that, uh, you know, there's, there's never going to be 3D pandas with me uh, doing the 3D modeling. But I think it's good to at least try because it makes you more well-rounded. Um, you know, another thing with, with NFTs, right, is I mentioned using NFT Maker Pro as the, the minting service. But I've also, like, uh, for some of the promotional pandas, like, like Bing's Eye, who we sent out to different um, influencers, uh, did mint those on my own from the CLI. Um, and I think that learning about kind of how that all works from a, from a coding perspective as well as the EUTXO uh, architecture, um, which is unique to Cardano. I think that is all going to really make you uh, a more well-rounded um, project creator. Oh, of course. And I know learning a lot of that 
is if you're making a project, there's a lot of learning that gets involved with that. And I know that sometimes trial by fire is definitely the best for that. But something else I noticed, for example, when I looked at your website and it kind of touches on some of these functionalities is that there was something about pandas being able to procreate. Do you have any plans for pandas being able to make other pandas or would they create something else so that the price of pandas are not affected or how do you plan on going about that? Yeah, so in in terms of the uh, the breeding that's definitely, you know, on our on our agenda here for 2022. Um, what's nice is that I think that you could accomplish it without the the Plutus application backend. Uh, really doing something as simple as, you know, have a male and a female panda send them to, you know, our server and then we'll send you back a cub, right? That's that's a function of kind of its parents' attributes. Now, in terms of uh, not devaluing the pandas, um, there is there's a couple attributes um, that the pandas have. Uh, one of those is metabolism, and that will determine kind of a cooldown between uh, how often they can breed, so that there's not you know just unlimited panda cubs um, flooding the the adoption center there. Um, so, so I'd, I'd say that in, in terms of, uh, that, you know, I'm not real worried about, about, um, you know, breeding devaluing pandas because, uh, you know, we have that in our roadmap and hopefully, uh, people would be excited about the, the prospect of that rather than thinking, oh, you know, this is going to mean more pandas. So my panda is going to be worth less. True. I can see that. I just know that the, the ability to do all this would be amazing, but also hopefully not overly complex because I know typically with a lot of projects, you want a low skill floor and a high skill ceiling. So like if you want to get really crazy with it, you'll be able to, but if you're not, then you won't be overwhelmed type thing. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, I I'd say um, definitely take a look at, uh, at the roadmap. Like we outlined kind of a timeline for some of these goals throughout 2022 and uh, definitely it's going to take a long time, right? I mean, breeding isn't going to come like the week after launch. Um, but, but I will say that I was careful about picking goals that I think are realistic and actionable. You know, I'm, I'm not really promising like a, a 3D panda metaverse or anything like that, just because I know that with a, a team of uh, basically just me um, and, and my girlfriend who helps a little bit, um, it's probably, you know, not going to be realistic. Whereas I think that the goals that we, that we put in the roadmap are, are at least, uh, doable with, with a small team. Oh yeah. No, I, I understand that too. Often my girlfriend's helping me with a lot of these things too. So I, I have often have to enlist her into doing this. And of course I know that it does take time to build these things, especially when you're doing it nearly by yourself and you're having to learn these new skill sets. It, it takes time, and I don't think anyone's faulting you for that. But while we're on the topic of time, when do you plan to go live with your project? So go from the testnet to the mainnet, because I know that your project is currently on that testnet, but when can we expect to be able to mint these cute NFTs or these cute pandatas? Yeah, so the official date is uh, February 6th. Um, it's a little bit after uh, the start of Chinese New Year. Um, that, that I think it's on a Sunday. Um, there, there may or may not be uh, a chance for Discord members and, and early adopters to uh, get one before that. So we'll we'll see um, what what comes from that. Uh, and I, I will say that um, you know we're going to see how the network congestion is faring. Uh, my my view is that it's going to go down to the point where um, you know you'll you'll be able to actually uh, place your adoption transaction. Um, by that February 6th date. But if not, you know, we'll, we'll adjust accordingly to make sure that everyone has a good adoption experience. 
Oh, of course. And I know with the recent DeFi, that's oh, the network congestion. I was trying to do a giveaway on the 20th for a Wi-Fi purple NFT, and that took forever. And I know that's, that's not, that wouldn't be your fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's just at that level, the blockchain gets congested. So I'm glad that you're taking that into consideration. And of course, everyone should follow their Discord. Um, you don't want to miss this. This seems to be a really interesting project. Um, and Pandata himself is a fantastic individual. So I would imagine the project's going to be just as lovely. But I want to thank you so much for this. It's been super informative, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. But before we go, how can listeners get involved with what you're doing, or how can people best support you and your team? Yeah, well, well, thanks for for having me on. Um, I'd say that that for listeners who want to get involved, you know, uh, definitely go on our website. It's Pandata. Uh, it's like Panda and then da dot io. Um, there you can try out the the testnet functionality. Um, you can also join our our Discord and uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's all there. Um, if the concept of of testnet scares you and you've never heard that before, we also have a uh, a YouTube video that we made explaining how to how to set that all up. So hopefully you'll you'll learn a thing or two from from that. Um, and yeah, definitely, you know, if you have any suggestions or, or feedback or you're another project looking to uh, do a collaboration, uh, you know, our DMs are always open. Um, on Twitter, it's Pandata underscore NFT. And we will have all the links down below. We'll have, the, uh, as he said, the Discord, the website, we'll have the Twitter, all the socials down there. I recommend you check those out. I'm read through their roadmap. I know that's been stressed multiple times, but you don't want to miss out on all the developments here. But again, I want to thank you so much, Pandata, for taking the time to talk with us. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you very much for uh, for having having me on. And uh, one last thing, don't forget to vote for Flooftopia in, in Project Catalyst. Hey. I'm super excited for that <laughs> personally. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys. Also leave us a five-star review. And if you had feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Cardano Convo. Send your emails to cardanoconvo at gmail.com or join the Cardano Convo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also make sure to check out our website at crypto-loops.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsors. First are our Patreons over on the Cardano Convo Patreon page. Their direct contributions help to make this podcast possible. By becoming a Patreon, you gain amazing benefits such as access to polls to help decide the content of upcoming episodes, early access to videos, roles and benefits within the Discord server, and so much more. Our second sponsor is Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and you're looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That is Loops, L-O-O-P-S. Lastly, I want to let our community know about an NFT game slash project that we are working on. The game is called Flooftopia, and more details can be found at flooftopia.org. There you can find access to our Discord server and to other socials, so make sure to check out our website to learn more. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.